Well, this morning, I am very, very excited uh, to introduce our speaker uh, to you today. Uh, we are uh, continuing next week. I will wrap up our series, The Proverbial Life. Really got a great message for you next week. Uh, but today, I have a, a friend of mine. I have an opportunity to know him back when he was a high school student. Uh, I've seen him for a long time. And I've watched God's call on his life, and God, God has just used him in powerful ways. He was in ministry for a season at an amazing church here in Minnesota. Uh, but God kind of called him into a new season over this last year of traveling and speaking, and, and uh, he's just been having a chance to share the gospel all over. And uh, just excited to have him. But about six months ago, he came to me and said, hey, hey, Greg, you know what? I, I think I'd really love to be planted just in a church where I can just have a family to be a part of. Um, obviously, I'm going to be traveling some. I'd just like to have a family. And he said, you know, I, I think I'd love to be a part of this community. He's visited a few, visited a few times. And uh, so if he's not out traveling and speaking, you'll find him on the front row, usually right over there at the 930 service, worshiping his guts out and being a part of this community. And uh, we're just so blessed to be able to have him be able to pour into our congregation today. So if you would, would you give it up for my friend, John O. Gates? Can we give it up for our lead pastor, Pastor Greg and Amber Lins? We love you guys. You guys are amazing. Uh, truly, when I say that we have some of the best lead pastors in the nation, I mean it. Uh, they are the most intentional, pastoral. They champion people. They believe in people. So we love you. Thank you for everything that you guys do for us. Uh, it is an honor to be able to communicate and share my heart with you guys today. Um, I don't think you guys realize how much uh, you all mean to me as a church community and as a church family. Uh, when I met with Pastor Greg, I said, this is the place that I feel most at home and I feel like I can just let down all the walls and I can just receive and worship Jesus. And so thanks for letting me be a part of this community and this church. And uh, a little bit about me, Pastor Greg mentioned that uh, I was a youth pastor in Rochester, Minnesota for about six years. And in January of 2021, I was driving home from the gym and I was worshiping in the car and I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to my heart, you'll be gone by the end of the year. I was like, come again. Where, where am I going? And I heard nothing. And uh, literally probably 2021 was the most supernatural year of my life. I mean, it was almost weekly that God was confirming supernaturally this call to transition out of the pastorate and transition into the evangelist. And can I just say, when God says it, you'll see it. Uh, probably for, for, for many of the areas of my doubt and my insecurities, God always met me so graciously by reassuring and reconfirming his call in this new season. I remember I was talking with Michael Mack about this process and transitioning into this new role. And he goes, John, like, this, this is the time for you to do this. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, you have nothing to lose. I was like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, you don't have a wife. You don't have a house. You don't even have a dog. You have nothing. I was like, thank you for reminding me how little I have in my life. And um, can I just remind some people, though, that when you say yes to Jesus, he will do far more with your life than you could ever do with your life. He will take you so much farther with your life than you could ever go in your own strength. And uh, this has been literally, truly, church, the best season of my life. 
And so January of 2022, we launched John O'Gates Ministries, a 501c3 nonprofit, and we've been traveling all over the country. And literally, God has been opening up international connections. And so it was preaching in Pakistan and doing some of those ministry events there. And it's been supernatural. And so thank you guys for the, those of you that have been praying and believing and helping champion this new season of my life. It truly means the world. But for the sake of time, we're going to hop right into the word. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? All right, we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 46. It says this, and they came to Jericho. This is Jesus and his disciples. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, telling him to be quiet, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. Can I remind some people that came into Zoe Church this morning that God is calling you. God is calling you higher. God is calling you further. God is calling you deeper into the purpose and the person that he has called you to be. He said, call him. And the people around him are like, yo, bro, your desperation, your crazy shouts, it worked. He's calling you. Get up. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him. And I can almost see this passage of scripture. I can almost see the eyes of Jesus as he looks at him and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Can I remind some people that we serve a compassionate God? We don't serve a callous God. We don't serve a complacent God. We serve a caring God who sees you where you are and he hears you where you are. He says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for these moments. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. God, I pray right now for the person that walked in discouraged, I pray they would leave encouraged in Jesus' name. I pray for the person that walked in feeling like they have no strength left, I pray that you would strengthen their whole body, their whole mind, their whole spirit by your spirit. And we would leave changed in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Well, since you guys are my church family, we're just going to go right out the gate with an open confession, okay? I just need to get it off my chest. I just need to be real with y'all. Uh, I love food, okay? Like anyone else, love food in here. Um, my favorite snack is a Reese's peanut butter cup. Can someone say hallelujah? Thank you, Jesus. We just need to take a praise break right there and just thank God for the person that invented Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. But I remember back in 2020, uh, I learned a couple things. I think 2020 and quarantining in your house for those two weeks or whatever it might have been uh, showed me something that it, 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 quarantine didn't really create my dysfunction. It just exposed my dysfunction. <laughs> And I realized in 2020, I had some pretty nasty eating habits. 
Now, uh, in 2020, I ended up gaining quite a bit of weight from eating 30 Reese's peanut butter cups every single night when we were binge watching the Lord of the Rings series and going through like every single TV show I could just to kill time. And uh, I decided starting in 2021, I am going to become a whole lot healthier with my eating. And so I started to substitute uh, burgers for salads. I know it sounds depressing, but I, I started to realize too, as I was eating cleaner, I felt better. Who would have thought? But I realized I got so strict with myself about what I was eating that I started to literally never let myself have any dessert. So I said to myself, okay, what I'm going to do is gonna, I'm going to allot myself a cheat day. Now, if you're not familiar with what a cheat day is, a cheat day is where literally the whole pantry is open. Like, there's no restrictions. Maybe for some of y'all are like, it's supposed to be a cheat meal. I made it a cheat day. Okay? I made it a whole event. I made it a whole experience. And so I wake up on these cheat days literally mapping out in my mind what I'm going to consume. So let me just walk you through real quick one of my days. Y'all are going to judge me after this. But I would wake up. Usually I'll go to the gym. And then I'll come home. And on this particular day, for lunch, I went to Shake Shack. Can we just also praise God for Shake Shack? I got four cheeseburgers and a large fry. You think that's bad, okay? I got home and I said, well, it's my cheat day. I'm going to stop by a gluten-free bakery. I know I'm gluten intolerant, okay? Gluten-freeers, we unite. Um, I, I, I stopped by a gluten-free bakery and I picked myself up a slice of carrot cake. Hallelujah. I consumed that in probably 5.6 seconds. And then I thought to myself, okay, I really should pace myself because it's not even 1.30. And so I literally had a, um, a, a dinner meeting at a friend's house, and they served me delicious mashed, potato, mashed potatoes and meatballs. I had nine servings. Okay. Y'all are like, this guy got problems. I do. Uh, and then I got home, and I thought to myself, you know what? I, I got to go out on a high note. So I stopped by Target. I picked myself up a batch of cookies. I picked myself up some gluten-free Oreos, and I picked myself up some peanut butter M&Ms. Those are devastating, by the way, okay? Um, I ate 18 cookies that night. I ate the whole bag of the gluten-free Oreos, and I had the whole bag of the family sharing size Reese's M&Ms, okay? Your boy couldn't even sleep on his stomach that night. I was like, I was going to pop. But I remember I was like, kind of like, I would throw the Reese's M&M's in the kitchen while I was watching a movie, and I'd be like, okay, I'm only going to do one more handful. And I would kind of go sit at the couch, and I'd be like, just eating. I'm like, man, it's so good. And my thought process was, well, you know, it's a cheat day. And I'm so strict with myself all the other days, so I better get rid of all the temptation in the house. And so I just started consuming, 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 consuming. I'm pretty sure I gained like 10 pounds the next day. But how many of you guys know just because it looks good to you doesn't mean it's always good for you? Just because it looks good, just because it sounds good, just because it feels good, hello, doesn't mean it is good. The thing I've learned this morning, church, is good doesn't always mean it's God. Because there's some things that can satisfy your soul and still starve your spirit. There's some things that can fill you for a moment but leave your life empty of meaning. 
See, I wonder how many of us have come into church this morning going back to the very thing that we know won't satisfy us. I can't help but wonder how many of us in the room this morning keep going back to the very thing that we know won't fill us up. See, I'm not just talking about the food that you eat. I'm talking about the faith that you live out. I'm talking about the areas of your life that you've tried to move past, but you keep holding on to. I'm, I'm talking about the things that you've tried to let go of, but you keep going back to. See, church, I'm not talking about the things that you have control over. I'm talking about the things that have control over you. Like, I know I'm not the only one that seems to say the very thing that I told myself I would never say. I know I'm not the only one that seems to do the very thing that I told myself I would never do. Like, can we just be real? Can we get rid of the Christianese for a moment? If so many of us are saved, why are so many of us still stuck? Like, if so many of us are saved, why are so many of us still struggling? If God has come to give his life in life to the full, why are so many of us still empty? Why are so many of us still broken? It's like we're Christian, but we're crippled. Crippled by the same problems, crippled by the same insecurities, crippled by the same issues. And see, I believe it is absolutely imperative for us as the church of Jesus Christ to talk about some of the things that are difficult to talk about. I believe it is imperative for the church of Jesus Christ to talk about the things that go against the purpose and the destiny that God has for his church. And I believe it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up boldly, to speak up confidently with delicacy, wisdom, and grace. And I believe if we're going to step into the space that God has ordained this generation of believers to be in, if we're going to address what God has anointed this church to address, then we cannot avoid the very space that God has graced us to step into because we cannot change what we're unwilling to confront. Whatever the church avoids, the devil will invade. And we have too many people, too many Christians, too many believers that want to talk about the new life in Christ, but they don't want to talk about the old lifestyle we need to kill. And so we're Walking in new purpose, but we're still living with old patterns. And there begins to be this disconnect, this internal wrestle, this internal frustration between who I am and who God says I am. We feel this tension between who you are and who God says you are. Because, like, what do you do when what God says about you you don't see within you? What do you do when what God says about your life, you don't see in your life? Because here's where I feel it the most. God says I have authority, but I still feel my insecurity. He says I have victory, but I still feel like a victim. He says I'm set free, but sometimes I feel stuck. Like these things sound good. These things sound nice. But the reality is they're a whole lot easier to say than they are to see. And if I'm honest with you, sometimes I feel like I'm back where I started. Because I still struggle the same. I still fall the same. I still fail the same. So what do you do when you want to change but you don't know how to change? 
Because whether it's something going on around you or something going on within you, I think we all want change in certain areas of our life. But here's the thing I've discovered about change. We often like the idea of change, but we have a hard time with the reality of change. Because if we're real with ourselves, change is hard. Change is challenging. Change often requires you to release what is most familiar to grab a hold of what is foreign. Change requires you to let go of what you know to embrace what is unknown. And because the process of change can be challenging, because the process of change can be hard, many people are still left wanting change but never walking in change. But the problem is not a lack of desire. The problem comes down to a lack of direction. Because they want to change. They just don't know how to change. Because when you've done everything you know how to do, when you've said everything you know how to say, when you've done everything right and you're still in the same place, when you've done every program, when you've tried every prayer and you're still stuck, what's the point of trying anymore? What's the point of praying anymore? What's the point of believing anymore? And I wonder if some of us have come into church today so focused on what is that you no longer can believe for what can be. You're so focused on what your situation looks like that you no longer believe that God could do something through your situation. You've walked in here today and you're saying, you know what? I've accepted it. This is just the way things are. This is just the way it's meant to be. This is just how it is. And I believe I came here today to let some people know that how it is, isn't how it has to be. You may be struggling with it, but you don't have to stay stuck in it. God has more for you today. God has freedom for you today. God has a purpose for you today. And I am here to tell you that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could ask, think, or imagine in your life. So... What do you do when you're desperate for change, but you don't know how to change? Because this is where I think we find our boy Bartimaeus. The Bible stops and zooms into this character, Bartimaeus, and it describes him as being blind, and he's begging on the side of the road. Now, we don't know how long he's been blind. We don't know if this was something he was born with or this was a progressive degenerative eye problem that he had. But regardless of how he became blind, regardless of when he became blind, the Bible says that he's on the side of the road begging, pleading, asking if anyone would give him any form of loose change, if anyone would give him any form of spare change. Think about this. He's been doing the same thing every single day only to get the same results. He's stuck in the same position. He's stuck in the same place. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says, then here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Now, the very thing he's been doing now has the potential to produce different results. And I can almost see this internal conflict within his mind saying, do I reach out or do I remain quiet? Do I stay doing what I've always done, saying what I've always said, or do I do something I've never done so I can receive something I've never had? 
In this moment, he decides to call out. He says, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know what I love? Because this is what the enemy will do. If he can get you so focused on what is, you will never see what can be. If he can get you so focused on what happened in your life, he knows it will limit what God wants to produce through your life. He knows if he can get you so focused on staying safe, on staying stuck, you will never step into what God has for your life. If he can convince you the purpose and the power and the plans that God has for your future aren't worth the time, aren't worth the effort, aren't worth showing up, you'll never step into it. And I love that the Bible highlights the posture of Bartimaeus because how many of you guys know posture is powerful? The way you carry yourself, I think, communicates something. But what I love about Bartimaeus is he doesn't let his posture determine the level of passion he has for God. And however you come in today, can I just encourage you, don't let your situation determine how you lift your voice today. Don't let the lack of determine you lifting up your hands to God. Because God has more for you today. I believe that God has more for your life today. He's not done with you. He's not finished with you. I believe there's a hope for you. There's a hope for your marriage. There's a hope for your family. There's a hope for your finances. God has more for your life, and he's not done with you. But hear me, church. You can have more of God, but just because you can doesn't mean you will. The reason I say can is because it comes down to a choice. See, you choose whether you want it. You choose whether it's worth it. You choose whether this is something that you just sit through or you step into. And Bartimaeus, he made a choice. He said, I'm not letting what is keep me from what can be. So he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Because hear me, church. Your life doesn't change by chance. Your life changes by choice. So he shouted, Jesus, son of David. This was his moment. This was his moment for a miracle. This was his moment for his life to change forever. And I can almost imagine his voice probably barely broke through the crowd. So he shouted again, Jesus, son of David. Because your life changes by the choices you make consistently. I love that Bartimaeus, he didn't just pray for a miracle, but he prepared for a miracle. In church, what I'm trying to get you to see this morning is that when you get a revelation of God, it creates a desperation for God. See, what I love about Bartimaeus is that even though he was blind, he still saw what no one else could see. He knew and could see who Jesus was. You want to know how I knew that? Because of what he called Jesus. Jesus, son of David. Now, Jesus was called many terms and titles throughout his years on earth, but this is significant because the Jews believed that the coming Messiah would come from the legacy and the lineage of King David. And so when Bartimaeus calls out son of David, He's not just affirming who Jesus is, he's also affirming what Jesus can do. And I wonder, who is Jesus to you? 
Because a lot of people want Jesus as their Savior, but they don't want Jesus as their Lord. They want what Jesus can do for them, but who he is means nothing to them. And I love that Bartimaeus knew who Jesus was. And I wonder if some people, I wonder if it comes to the fact that we, some people don't believe that God won't do something in their life because God is incapable, but because too many of us are too comfortable with never pressing into who God really is. And Bartimaeus knew who Jesus was, so he cried out. And listen to this. Watch this. I love this. The people around Bartimaeus, and I wonder if even some of the very beggars that were begging next to him, criticized him and told him to be quiet. What I find so interesting is that Bartimaeus is the only one that cried out. He's the only one that cared enough to raise his voice. I can't help but wonder how many people that heard the same thing, that were in the same position, and were so desperate for a savior to step into their situation that never said anything. But here's the reality. Desperation can quickly become despair when you never see what you hope to see. Desperation can quickly become humiliation when you never see the change that you've been praying for. Because when you've done everything you know how to do, and when you've said everything you know how to say, and things still haven't changed, sometimes hoping hurts more than it helps. So you don't reach out anymore. You don't share how you feel anymore. You don't show up anymore. You don't serve anymore. Because if you just get your hopes up, it only hurts more than it helps. And watch this. The people near Bartimaeus, instead of crying out to Jesus too, they decide to criticize those that do. Because here's the deal. People will always criticize what they do not understand. People will always belittle what they know nothing about. It is often the people that have become content with their dysfunction that become resentful towards those who want to change their future. Don't let the people who know you the least define you the most. Don't let the people who have decided to forfeit their purpose keep you from walking into receiving yours. And Bartimaeus, instead of letting the crowd keep him quiet, all the people that are shaming him, all the people that are telling him to be silent. I love that Bartimaeus, even though he was a beggar, he never begged for the acceptance of other people. Because it would have been easy for him to. But I wonder if you understood that just as much as they can welcome you in, they can walk you right out. And let this be a word for someone today. Their rejection of you is not a reflection of you. But rather, it's God's protection over you. Because God knew that where you're going, they can't go with you. And Bartimaeus, they're all shaming him, telling him to be quiet. And I can imagine he raises his voice frantically one more time, this time even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, think about this for a second. The crowd probably thought that Bartimaeus was asking Jesus for money. They probably thought he was asking Jesus for loose change. But Bartimaeus knew he's not asking Jesus for loose change. He's asking Jesus for life change. He knew that Jesus was the only one that could bring change into his life. And can I tell some people, a new relationship will not change you. A new position will not change you. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can change you. Only Jesus can set you free. Only Jesus can transform your life. And worship team, or Steph, you can come on up as I land this plane this morning. 
So he shouted, and watch this. The text says that Jesus stops hearing his cry. I love that. Jesus stops right where you are, right where it's hard, right where it hurts, right when it counts. He stops. And I love this. The Bible says, call him. Call him. Who's he talking to? Notice he's talking to Bartimaeus' haters, the very people that told him, to be quiet, are now telling him to go quick. And see, the second point this morning, guys, desperation for God produces demonstration of God. Desperation for God produces a demonstration of God. Because you notice the posture of Bartimaeus in the text. It says that he's seated. But watch what happens to his posture when Jesus calls him. The Bible says he sprang up on his feet and he runs to Jesus. A blind man. Where's he going to go? How does he know what direction to go in? I think this goes to show that it doesn't matter your condition. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter your dysfunction. Jesus calls you as you are. See, hear me, church. He doesn't call you as you wish you were. He doesn't call you as you think you should be. He calls you as you are because he wants you as you are. The parts of you that you hate. The parts of you that you want to hide. He's calling for that. He's longing for that. And when Bartimaeus heard the call to come, he no longer cared about the cost because this is my whole favorite part of this passage. What he does before he runs to Jesus, the text says that he throws off his cloak and runs to Jesus. Now, this is significant. This was a defining moment for Bartimaeus because many scholars actually speculate that some beggars were actually given specific cloaks that were given to them so they could gain access and permission to beg on certain streets in the city. And the thing that we need to understand is that for a beggar, this cloak was all that they owned. This was their only possession. This was their only item. This was their only form of clothing. And so what beggars would do is they literally throw the cloak on the floor and people would place money in it and they'd use it to collect the money they'd receive. They would use it to protect themselves from the harsh weather. This was the only item that they had. This was the only possession. And so when Bartimaeus gets up and throws off his cloak, he's not just throwing away a piece of cloth. He's throwing away his life. He's throwing away everything that he's found familiarity and he's found every, he's throwing away everything that he's built his life on. He's throwing away his very identity. He's saying, I'm not letting what I have keep me from what can be. He understood that what the cloak could do for his life was not nearly as significant as what Jesus could do in his life. So he threw it off. He said, I'm going for all that God has for me. In church, God is looking for people who are desperate for his presence. He's looking for people who are desperate for the spirit of God in their life. But the truth is, too many of us have become full of ourselves to be hungry for God. We've become too full of our own agenda We've been too full of our own comfort. We've been too full of our wants. 
that we no longer desire to see what God could do. And for a lot of us, letting go is hard. Letting go is difficult. It's challenging because it feels like a separation of self. But you have to remember something, that when you release something to God, God releases something to you. You need to know that when you give something up, God gives something to you. Because watch this, verse 51, Jesus looks at him with so much compassion. What do you want me to do for you? He goes, I want to see. I want to see. God, I want to see how you see me. God, I want to see how you think about me. God, I want to see the plans and the purpose that you have for my life. And can I just remind some people that God can do more in 30 seconds with your life than you could do in 30 years of your own working. And in a moment, immediately, the Bible says that he recovered his sight. I don't know who's here this morning, but you've come in holding some cloaks. You've been holding on to some things that have been keeping you from really walking into the purpose and the power and the plans that God has for your life. They've been holding you back. And just like Bartimaeus, God is stirring your heart. And you say, you know what, today I want to release the very thing that has been keeping me crippled from stepping into freedom. I want to release the very thing this morning that's keeping me bound from coming to Jesus. If that's you with every head bowed. And every eye closed, I want to ask you a question. What's your cloak? God is calling you. But are we willing to let go of what's been weighing us down to step into all that God has for us? So if you're in the room and you'd say, you know what, this message is for me. This message, I need it. Today, there's some things that I've been holding on to that I need to let go of. That's you. I want you to lift your hand on the count of three. And I want who I'm praying for, for God to meet us where we are. And for us just to symbolically on the outside, representative of what God is doing on the inside, to say, hey, this is for me today. If that's you, you have a cloak, you say, today I'm letting go. With God's power, God's strength, I'm letting go. Come on, keep your hands raised. God, with every hand raised in this room, God, we see your power. God, we sense your presence in this place. God, I pray right now you would do what only you could do. You would break chains. You would set people free. God, as we release, as we let go, God, you would do what you do best and transform and change us by your power and by your might. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, John, for sharing. I invite you to stand with me across the room. I just think that's a good word for every one of us. I know Amber shared it a little bit earlier that we're stepping into a, we're stepping into a new season. Um, but you want to, when I step into a new season, it's, it's kind of an opportunity to kind of turn a page and start some fresh things. And maybe there's some changes that you need to make in this new season. Next week or two, maybe there's some pivots you need to make in your life. Maybe some things that you need to priorities. Maybe some things that have kind of gotten off track in your life. Maybe some things that you've started engaging in that maybe you shouldn't. What are those things that we can let go of? What are those things that we can lay down? Can we put action to this step? Can we be those who say, God, we don't just hear your word and say, oh, that's a good word, but actually lay something down. And so I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. And uh, 
They're going to be up here along the front. But I'm going to say this. There's some of you that need to come and pray with somebody. But there's some of you that maybe need to come down to this altar and just get on your knee. You need to just have a moment with God yourself. To say, God, I just want to, I want to surrender some things. I need to lay some things down in my life, God. Because I want to pursue you. Because God's calling you to something greater. Some of us, we're scared, we're scared of the greater. Because what, what, what is God going to ask if I give more of my life? I don't know what he's going to ask. But I know his hands are the surest hands you can be in. And so can we put ourselves into his hands completely and say, God, whatever you want, wherever you're leading me, whatever you ask of me, can I be the person to lay it down, to surrender to you? Father, I pray that you would continue to stir in our hearts today. God, may this message be something that challenges us. May it mess with somebody who's still sitting in the seats wrestling some things. God, maybe you're calling us to another level. God, would you, would you allow us to have hearts that are responsive to you, that are repentant, God, where it needs to be repentant, that are filled with hope and faith where we need to have faith rise. God, that we could believe for something greater, that we wouldn't sit where we are, but God, we would trust for something even bigger and greater. God, we're asking for that. We're believing for that, Lord. We're trusting in you, Jesus, in every way. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. As you head out the door this morning, uh, just a reminder, if you're, if you're going to head that way, we've, we got some brownies out in the lobby for you. But I also, I also want to say this. Uh, Jono's going to be out in the lobby. I'm going to let you go, Jono. Can you go back there already? Um, Jono is uh, somebody that we, uh, we just made a decision as a church to start supporting him on a monthly basis as we believe in him and what he's doing. And, uh, and so I just want to say, there's some of you that might say, hey, I'd love to get to know him. He's got cards back there. Get to know him. Be praying for him. Encourage him. Again, he's one of us. I'd be a part of that. But, but he is also, he, he would never ask us. And he said, Greg, don't, please don't say anything. I said, I don't care. I'm going to say something anyways. Uh, he's, he's looking to have support, monthly support for his ministry. And so if God's put on his, your heart to say, you know what, I'd love to be a part of that. I'd love to help him on a monthly basis, 20 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month. Help him out. Go stop by his table. Talk to him. Find out there's a way to trust him. We need more people preaching the gospel, don't we? We need more people proclaiming truth in this world. And he's somebody who said, God, I'm going to give my whole life to this and whatever it is that you have. So if, you're, if you would, would you stop by? Say hello to him. But if you don't say it today, sometime when you see him, introduce yourself. Get him to make sure he feels like family here because that's what he is, all right? You guys have a great week. I encourage you to respond as God's calling you to. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you back next Sunday.